Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me this week is, uh, as always, uh, Vince. Hello, Vince. Hi. Uh, Zach is not with us this week, but we have a friend sitting in, uh, fellow Multiversity podcaster, longtime guest on this show. We got Walt Richardson on the show. Hi, Walt. A bit presumptuous to like say friend, but I mean, I'm, I'm... <laughs> employee. No, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We. We definitely meet the uh, standards of an employee-employer relationship. <laughs> yes, because I pay you so much money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Hello. Hi, Walt. It's nice to have you back on the show. It is great to be back. Um, so we we were not planning on having a, a whole section about the DC solicits for May of 2020, but they they came out, and I feel like there's enough in here we have to really talk about it. Um <laughs> Vince, you had said in a text before that tomorrow is going to be like a low-key, very big day for DC. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this uh, impending 5G stuff, as Uncle Rich calls it, has been bubbling under the surface for the longest time without without them really acknowledging it until that Generation Zero uh, announcement for Free Comic Book Day. And even that, even that wasn't really... You know that was that was shrouded in mystery. This right. announcement pretty much lays it all out. Yeah, you guys obviously follow this more than me. Is this the first time that fifth generation term has been used, like yes. officially? Officially, I, I the, believe so. The only thing is the one panel in Doomsday Clock that mentioned the five G Earth. Okay, that yes. that was gonna. I, I thought that there might have been something in Doomsday Clock about it, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is really like the confirmation that, yes, it is happening. It's happening, baby. Yes. So, um, but let's, before we get to that, let's just sort of talk about the other things that are briefly mentioned in these solicits. Uh, there is a new Batman uh, digital first miniseries that conti- that is in set in the Batman the Animated Series um, continuity. It's called Batman the Adventure Continues. Um they they seem to be pretty serious about this because they are uh, they're bringing in a lot of people who were involved with with the uh, the animated series. You know, it's written by Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, illustrated by Ty Templeton, who I believe did some designs for the he animated did, series. Right? I believe so. And as well, Templeton did uh, the Batman Adventures comics. He did some of those as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I don't think there's too much to say about this, except that they specifically said they're going to be bringing in some characters who never got to be in the animated series, like uh, Jason Todd and uh, Asriel. So that could ah. be fun. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like it'll be fun. Um, I, yeah, yeah, I'll get it, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a huge mark for the animated series, and I'm going to be all over this, I'm sure. It actually kind of it actually kind of has me wanting to go back and read some of the comics, which I've never, I never actually read any of that original run of comics. Yeah, I, I, I've read some of them. Um, a little, I, I feel like I might have mentioned this on like a previous episode I was on, which I think is one. Um, no, I've probably been on more than one. Anyway, <laughs> um, so not the Batman adventures, but the corresponding Superman adventures. There's some really good stuff there, um, written by 
Scott McCloud. Oh. And very interesting for an all ages book, Mark Miller. <laughs> and it's really good. Really? And Mark Miller's Superman adventure stuff is great. So I so. was I was just going to say that I highly recommend the Justice League Adventure series that was out, um, which was... I, a, did, I didn't even know there was one. Yes, uh, Ty Templeton oh. wrote that for the majority of its run, I believe. Okay. Uh, the only reason I was aware of it was in my big, crazy Shazam read-through, there's a couple of issues that are, like, Marvel family-focused. Okay. And so I read those. But what's what I love about this is that I guess it's technically set in the world of the um, the uh, like the Justice League, the original Justice League series, but you right. get a ton of characters who weren't a part of that. Oh, holy shit! Dan Slott wrote some of these. I think actually, now that you say that about Dan Slott, I, I remember he, he started. I got. I think he got his start with a lot of these uh, kind of cartoon spin-offs like i think he did <laughs> ren some, like, and stimpy okay yeah that was about to say he did some ren and stimpy comics yeah <laughs> yes yeah, so i want to uh, say like this is one of those books where like the first 10 issues or so pretty much stuck very close to the characters from the tv series and then mm -hmm. once they decided they were going to be doing other stuff they just went buck wild and started doing lots of Really interesting. Well, stuff. well, remember that the uh, the third and fourth seasons of the DCAU Justice League, you know, were renamed Justice League Unlimited, and that did have like a more expanded cast. Yes. You'd have like Booster Gold. You'd have the Question. Um, yes, I believe Captain I, Marvel. I believe this might predate that slightly. Okay. Okay. Um, that's what I, I, was I, I could be wrong about that. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I think that those books are a lot of times really fun because they're not mired at all in continuity right and so they can just tell these really good stories so yeah that's a that's a good book to look out for um there's also a uh a green lantern 80th anniversary spectacular which is what they've been doing these the last couple of years and uh you know you look at the the talent on it and it's it's the people you'd expect jeff johns peter tomasi um ron mars denny o'neill we also get cena grace uh, Jeff Lemire doing a Green Lantern thing, which I don't think he's ever really done before. Uh, Mariko Tamaki doing a Green Lantern thing. Mm. And what's cool is it looks like Daryl Banks and Ron Mars are joining up for their for like a story about Kyle Rayner, which is fun. And um, Ivan Reyes, Mike Grell. Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun cast of characters. So that's those have been fun as they've been coming out the last couple of years. So that's that's yeah. cool as well. Uh, Charlotte Fullerton, too, who is, oh, I nice. believe is uh, uh, Dwayne McDuffie's widow. Yes. Oh, okay. Which is super cool. Um, so we had talked about this a couple weeks ago about the dreaming, how weird it was they announced that it was ending, even though we heard G. Willow Wilson was taking over the book. Well, they're doing a, a second series called The Dreaming Waking Hours. It's a 12-issue maxi-series written by G. Willow Wilson, illustrated by Nick Robles. Uh, as Walt pointed out before the show, uh, Robles is the uh, the artist on Euthanauts, which is a really good-looking book. So that, that's a cool combination. I will undoubtedly read the first issue, think it's cool, and never think about it again. <laughs> as the entire Sandman universe has gone for me. Yeah, I, I have not read any of the Sandman universe stuff. It's and I like the Sandman stuff. 
Yeah, it's definitely. classic, like, I'm going to read that in trade someday, and I never will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as I as I begin one of my inexplicable decades-long runs of reading bad Golden Age comics. <laughs> yeah. A couple more small things before we get to, to the biggins. Uh, we got Man Bat is going to get a five-issue miniseries, and I, I this sounds like it maybe is coming off of what's happening in Justice League Dark, but I'm not positive of that. Um it is so that's that's I was going to ask you guys this like why is there a man bad miniseries? <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's it. I just why I'm, I mean, I'm a bit. That's an existential question there, Walt. Um, yes, yeah. of course. Um, I don't reckon. I'm, I'm admittedly very out of touch with everything. I don't recognize uh, the name of the writer. Um, so I just saw them like oh, I, I guess that's something that's happening. I, Dave Walgosh, I'm probably mispronouncing he's a, that. Yeah, he's been a DC editor um, ah. for, for a while, and every once in a while he writes a story for those um, like holiday anthology series. Okay. Um. So this is this is his first, uh, as far as I can recall, like miniseries work for DC at least in a while. I don't know if maybe he may have written something in the past, but. Sure. Um, he's been he's been slowly breaking in, and I think he tends to do. Like I know he's been paired with Kyle Hotz on art before, who's doing a cover for Man Bat here too. Okay. I think he I think he wrote like a Swamp Thing thing with with Hotz maybe, or else it was like a Spectre. Nah, I I can't exactly remember, but it, that's probably where this comes from. I think like this just seems like it's in his wheelhouse as a writer, and um, DC's been doing this thing where it seems like there's always, you know, three or four or five miniseries going on that are very niche. Uh, I'm thinking of, like, the Raven Daughter of Darkness type thing where, like, they're they're tangentially connected to books that are going on right now. Like, if this is, you know, connected to Justice League Dark, but when you actually read them, you realize they actually have no nothing to do with. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, they're basically just like somebody's pet project and, and, a, and a reason to put something out on the comic book rack, you know. I will say, though, this is illustrated by, I don't know if it's Summit or Sumit Kumar, who did These Savage Shores for um, Vault Comics. And mm. he was mm. one of our breakout, he or she, actually, I, I don't I don't know their gender. I, I, I apologize if I misgendered them. They were um, one of our breakout artists, I believe, in 2018. Um, and so that's an exciting hire for this book. Good for DC for doing that. And um, the other book I want to talk about is a fi- another five-issue miniseries, Manhunters, The Secret History, written by Mark Andreco, illustrated by Renato Guedes. And um, this is a, a, ostensibly an event Leviathan tie-in. But what I find really interesting about both this and Man Bat, and Vince, tell me if I'm being crazy here. Isn't DC usually doing six issue miniseries, but both of these are five issue miniseries? Yeah, yeah, that's a good well, good catch. That, that is a weird number. It is because that means that these will wrap up at the same time as one of the other books we're going to talk about, Dark Knight's Death Metal. And good I wonder, catch. I wonder if that's going to be the um, or it'll wrap up maybe right before Death Metal does. Uh, but, right. you know, but but just sort of if everything's going to be resetting, yeah, maybe that's why. Right, because uh, 
Event Leviathan Checkmate will also wrap up on the, in the same month. I think uh, Batman will get to 100, I believe, just in time for whatever relaunch is coming. Uh, heavy, heavily rumored that Batman is relaunching after 100 with a new yes. number one. Yes. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, that's I think you got it, Brian. <laughs> so we'll see. Catch. You know. What looks like is going to happen is that th- these will all wrap up in October, and then um, I believe actually December might because it isn't isn't Death Metal taking a month off, taking August off, I believe. Hmm. Yeah, so I want to say it's doing May, June, July, taking August off, and then doing September, October, November. So maybe like everything wraps up in October, and this will and Metal will be the last thing before the relaunch, or something like that. Yeah. Could be. Regardless, let's get to that because that was oh I'm sorry one more thing um, that Supergirl is wrapping up with I believe it's number forty two um, yes uh, the Jody Hauser Rachel Stott era of Supergirl is ending the series is is wrapping up as I as I mentioned to the boys before we started recording this book was canceled once before when Steve Orlando was writing it and then it was brought back under Mark Andreco when Bendis came on the Superbooks so who knows if this is actually the end of the book or if they're just taking a pause here. But regardless, um, fare thee well. Bye for now. Yeah. I wonder if that's also a, a teaser that she will die in um, one of these Hell Arisen books. Oh. Yeah. I hope not. But that's right. All right. Well, let's get to the big ones here. Um, we have finally after – I mean, <laughs> it's funny to me that this was secret at all. Because Scott Snyder would tell anybody he walked past on the street that he was working on something <laughs> called Death Metal. Hey, <laughs> and, he uh, called. He called me at three in the morning once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. got to see these great Capullo pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, Dark Knight's Death Metal. It's the sequel to um, to Dark Knight's Metal. They're calling it an Anti Crisis comic. Oh hell know. yeah. I don't know what that means, but, you know, okay. <laughs> I'm in. I don't give a shit what it means. <laughs> um, so it's if you guys recall, at the end of Justice League 39, uh, the Justice League ran through a big white door, never to be seen again. And oh, yeah, it, I remember that. Yeah, of course you do. And so it, it looks like basically they, they go into this, like, realm where they live for a while because Superman is in captivity – Batman is like leading an underground resistance and Wonder Woman and the Flash have made deals to like still remain uh you know above ground as it were. And Walt, I want you to talk about the designs because you and I talked about the designs a little bit of these of these three characters. We haven't seen any of the designs except for the Trinity. And right. we have Wonder Woman who has a uh a chainsaw with the lasso of truth running as the chain. Um, Batman is carrying a comically large sickle, and Superman looks like Fabio. But what did you want to say? <laughs> well, I think that that mainly covers it. Um, I think that the Batman design, like, you know, he's like a Grim Reaper motorcycle dude or whatever. That's, like, extremely stupid, but it's kind of cool at the same time. Um, I, I like it. I, I can't lie. Like, I, there's, like, a part of me, there's, like, the kid in me that sees it, and it's like, oh, Fuck yeah, that whips. Um, 
but comparatively like there's the wonder woman one which is like an affront to god and man (laughs) yeah i'm just so tired of like guys especially just trying to make uh diana badass and it just uh i i don't like it it's it's just stupid it's not so stupid it's cool it's just stupid and then the superman one's just kind of forgettable I feel like Superman looks like an X-Man, but I can't figure out which one. <laughs> That's, yeah. The chains are very, like, 90s X-Men villain. Like, he's got the chains around his wrists, right? Or is it his belt or something like that? Plus, there were like, chains, I could have sworn. Plus, like, the nondescript uh, hulking arm that he has, like, the doomsday right. arm. That's a very 90s. Like, every, back in the 90s, everybody was damaged, basically. Yes. Um, he looks like Glenn Danzig. Uh, <laughs> Martha. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a goddamn good poll, and you know, know it. Yes, it was. Yes. That's why I said wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, everything you just said is true, Walt, and yet I can't. I can't help it. I'm. I'm gonna have fun with it. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. That, I'm sure I'm, this will be very fun. Yeah. I've Um, decided I'm having fun with it, damn it. Because if I don't, you know, there are certain events that will be happening around that time in America that that might kill me otherwise. At least I've got you, Dark Knight's death metal. (laughs) I'm going to be Wolverine laying in the bed and the, the picture is actually a copy of death metal. Uh, Yeah. I think they should do I think DC should do variant covers. Have you guys ever seen those like listicles of the worst death metal co- album covers of all time? Oh, of course, yes, of course. Yes. DC should absolutely pick like the six worst and and commission artists to do superhero so like, parodies. So like Marvel's uh hip hop covers ones, that yeah. they <laughs> Yes, yep. Except terrible <laughs> terrible on purpose. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead of accidentally. Oh, that that would be good. <laughs> So I mean, like, yeah, I, I agree. It'll be it'll be fun. Um, like like metal itself, it'll be fun, but not a very good story. Yeah, but that's probably good. Probably. <laughs> and it'll just kind of end on a wet fart. <laughs> it would be great if it ended and and is like, uh, look for the third metal book <laughs> coming in two and a half years. What would that one be called? What's the, uh, it would be called? Atmos- <laughs> no, it'd be called atmospheric black metal. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> dark Knights contemporary Christian metal. Dark, dark Knights, <laughs> New Age Celtic. New Age Celtic. There you go. There you go. Dark Knights, Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> I was thinking like Enya. I know, I know. I was taking it to the next step. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to hear uh, Dropkick Murphys attempt to do like new age music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can you imagine like an Enya melody played on the bagpipes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's get to the 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 legitimately very exciting one. So we found out last week that there's going to be um, a free comic book day issue called Generation Zero, 
which we were sort of debating whether that meant the Wonder Woman stuff or the Wally West stuff, and we sort of felt like it was the Wally West stuff, and this confirms that because there is a series of one-shots called Generation 1, or I guess Generation, like, blank. The first one is Generation 1, Age of Mysteries. This will come out in May. The way this press release is worded is a little bit strange, um, but... It sounds like a very cool idea. So they're oversized, prestige format, one-shots. And um, the characters they list for this this first issue are Wonder Woman, Lucius Fox, Alfred Pennyworth, Green Lantern, The Spectre, Jim Corrigan, and Green Lantern, Alan Scott, The Spectre, and then the Terry Sloan, Mr. Terrific. And it asks some questions like, what was the Big Bang of the Age of Mysteries? Which character truly ushers in the dawn of superheroes? Um, why did the JSA really, really retire? Which is a question that every JSA comic must ask yeah. at least once. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, what else did they say here? What golden age hero will become history's greatest villain? And uh, uh, Terry what, Sloan. Probably. What contentious alliance kept the Wayne family dynasty alive after Thomas and Martha's death? You know, all of this stuff sounds really fun. When you realize all those questions will be answered in one one shot, it makes you realize they're not going to be the most well-developed stories, probably. Probably not. Um, but, I mean, it's pretty fun. They mentioned that these um, there's an overarching story across all five one-shots, written by Brian Bendis, Dan Jurgens, Andy Schmidt, Robert Venditti, and Josh Williamson, and um, illustrated by Doug Monkey. Brian Hitch, Michael Janine, Ivan Reyes, David Marquez, and more. Here's the thing I really want to talk about, though. This issue is scripted by Andy Schmidt, who I don't believe has a DC credit under his belt in a very long time, if at all. Um, he's been an editor for Marvel for quite some time, but I don't, I don't believe he's done any DC work. And so this is a big project to bring somebody like this on, but... If you're going to bring on a new writer, it kind of makes sense to bring on an editor to help just make sure that everything is sort of lined up here. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, that, that's a good point. I, I didn't know who Andy Schmidt was. And, like, when you sent this, I was heading out the door. So I didn't – I was like, wait. At first I was, like, thinking of Otto Schmidt, but that's uh, – yeah. Yeah. Completely different person. I'm an artist. Um, so that's interesting that he's an editor. And I, I think – I think you're right there that that probably gives a certain set of skills that can make this work. Yeah. Uh, can I, I, I think if they told us that uh, Andy Schmidt was sort of the editorial backbone of this or, or architect of this, I would be so excited because do you know what he did at Marvel? Didn't he do the Annihilation stuff? He did the Annihilation. The, oh. The Abnett and Lanning cosmic. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Abnett and Lanning and, and um, uh, what's his name? Um, Giffen. Giffen. Thank you. Yeah. Keith Giffen. So, and that, that was, is that was excellent. That, that is one of the most excellent cross events I've probably ever read. Knowing that, I'm kind of surprised that Abnett himself isn't on this from... Since he's, you know, a DC regular right now. Right. Yeah, that's well, a good point. He's only doing sure, Justice I'm sure he's Odyssey got, right now. Right? I'm sure he's right, got right, 5G right. stuff in the tank. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, 
we should also say just by the way um that this this gives us a better sense too of what the five generations are so generation one the age of mysteries seems to very much be the golden age generation two right. age of the metahuman is the silver age i'd presume generation three age of crisis is like the bronze age slash 90s stuff generation four age of rebirth that's the one i want, I really want to talk about and the generation five age of tomorrow I think it's funny that they're basically lumping from Crisis on Infinite Earths through flat through um, the New Fifty Two, the New Fifty Two in, in yeah. one yeah. in one chunk. There, it would yeah, be funny a... if the, it would be funny if the Age of Rebirth includes the New Fifty Two, even though Rebirth <laughs> was invented to yeah. correct it. Actually, because technically that was technically that was a rebirth, you know. Right. That would be so backwards from the way that things actually happened, but right, yeah. Um. Yeah, good call. I think. I yeah. I think you got that. That yeah. The age of crisis is also interesting because it almost implies. I'm sure that's not. I'm sure this isn't the case. But it almost implies that there really won't be anything called a crisis ever again. Right. Right. See. See. That's what makes me think that. I don't know if it's correct that the age of rebirth is everything from like the 90s until now. It could be that the Age of Crisis is the one that's like a big chunk of DC history. Um, I think that's what Brian said. Oh, that's that's what I said. Oh, sorry. I misunderstood then because I I was I was thinking like, you know, um, the Age of Crisis would be from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Final Crisis. Now, I think you have to count the Convergence Crisis. I couldn't, I couldn't even get it out without <laughs> laughing. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah. But what, let's just do some quick math here. This is five months also, right? So this is May, June, yes. July, August, September. So in September, we're going to get one called Generation 5, where we'll probably get the first look at a lot of these characters. Yes. Yeah, the ones that are not already being seated in books. Right, which we'll talk about more later as well. Yeah. Um, Um, I assume that probably each segment of the timeline is going to be in published in these issues. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. Especially with the with the prestige format like that. Yeah, yeah. So good, I think. The Dio says it, in this like press release that the Generation the series of specials are built to bring the new DC timeline to life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would guess yeah. so, yes. Yeah, that's a good point. He's that's his baby. He's been he's been I, I just assume that that's all Dan DiDio has been thinking about for the last five years. Probably I picture, I picture him just having like a, a PowerPoint presentation he's endlessly <laughs> working on. Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to figure out where to put the reboot cartoon exactly. in on it. Can I stick this in here somewhere? Everything counts, even reboot, right? <laughs> who even owns the rights to that at this point? <laughs> Daniel DiDio, that's who. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I do think it's interesting that well, okay, so we have to sort of parse this out a little bit here. It's interesting that the Age of Mysteries will include people like Lucius Fox because if this timeline is to be believed and Alan Scott was there 
as we saw in that Wonder Woman issue, like at during World War II, essentially. And if Lucius yeah. Fox was there during World War II, if he was even ten years old during World War II, he'd be in his eighties right now. Yeah, and that doesn't seem like how he's written in the current Batman comics. Right. Yeah. That makes that makes sense for Alfred. Um, it makes more sense for Alfred, but I don't know if I don't still, know. If still not was... a lot. Right. Yeah. Um, is he uh, the? Is he going to be the Howard Stark of DC Comics? Oh, that's interesting. What if? What if he's just a kid? What if Lucius? What if his dad is involved? That that's ooh. sure. That could be it. Well, and then there's Luke Fox who. Who's Spoiler supposedly five G yeah. Batman? Yeah, right. Yeah. So then, yeah, that's so, interesting. So it's just something I wanted to like mention before I forgot and before we moved on. One of the things that I thought of when I read this press release is it's kind of using the uh, structure of Marvels, um, but as a way to establish new continuity type stuff. Because, um, mm. because you know, Marvels, it's the whole thing of like kind of looking at the whole history of the Marvel universe through the not as like major characters. I think in, in the case of Marvels, it's entirely, they're all like more civilians. Um, whereas this one, we have some, um, there's like a mix of, of the more civilian like characters and the superhero characters. Um, but that, that's one of the first things that it made me think of. Um, good call. Yeah. So a couple of days ago, uh, I think Vince maybe uh, sent me a link from Farmers Only of a um, Gary Frank drawing the Justice Society, I believe it was. Yeah. Along with something like Hachi Machi or whatever you said to uh, indicate your excitement <laughs> at that. I believe it was Awuga. Uh, Awuga? Okay. I was slightly that, that, that's, that's the new exclamation of choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Walt, Walt and I like to... A wooga at one another <laughs> yeah. uh, on Farmers Only. Yeah. Uh, but here's my question, right? So look at the logo that was sent over as part of this press release. That looks like it's something that wasn't set up for just one one shot. We had hypothesized that maybe we'll be seeing books take place in all of these generations. That's mm. that's an interesting idea, and I'd love to see that. I, th I think we would all love to see that. Um yeah. I, don't, I don't know if, if the average consumer wants to see that, but I, I sure. certainly think I do. But doesn't couldn't you see that as being the trade dress on top of a, a book? Yeah, I, I definitely could. Yeah. And aren't and, there and, root, aren't there sorry, well, go ahead. I was just gonna say and, and like, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be like a thing that immediately spinning out. It could just be like, you know, a couple years down the line someone has an idea, oh, you know. I'm gonna. I want to do like an Alan Scott miniseries, and it's like, okay, we'll slap the Generation One Age of Mysteries label on top of it, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, to kind of flesh out when these like miniseries take, in, many series that are set in the past take place, it's a way to kind of like easily identify that kind of stuff. Until we yeah. forget about it ten years from now, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Of course, till they retcon it into something that couldn't possibly make sense anymore. Right. Um, uh. What I was going to say is I, there are rumblings well, and I don't remember if it was Uncle Rich or if it was somebody. Does he know you guys call him that? Nah, I don't know if he even knows we exist. But uh, He was very nice to us that one least. time, Walt, right? Yeah, that one time. He was a very nice person. 
Was I hiding behind a, a pole uh, when you were talking to him or something? No, you were th- uh, maybe one time, but you weren't. You were hiding behind the pole when Zach and I talked to Didio for sure. But uh, yeah, no, <laughs> that was the New York Comic Con before you came, before you were there. He came to our party. Uh, right, Rich right. Did. Uncle Rich did. But anyway, yeah. what were you saying, Vincey? Uh, anyway, I, I was saying uh, somewhere along the way, I I got the impression, and I don't remember where it was, but uh, that Scott Snyder or somebody may or may not be writing a JSA book, or at least this was the plan at some point, that takes place in the past, which to me would be a perfect entry into what you guys are talking about. Yeah, for sure. Well, um... Let me think of how I can say this. Yeah. I'm in trouble. Um, I was interviewing somebody at DC, and they mentioned that there were two different writers who each had an idea for a Justice Society story that wouldn't touch each other, and I was asked to remove it from an interview. Mm. I think huh. that's vague enough. Okay. Um, Interesting. So yeah, so I I, I kind of got the impression that one was going to be doing a golden age story and one was going to be doing a current story. Okay. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I think that there are very few books you could do that with, with in, in terms of ongoings to yes, avoid confusion. For sure. But I think if you did a series of minis set in these, um, you know, in these past settings, that makes total sense. And could be really fun. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to say about uh, Generation 1? I don't think so. I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. That's yeah. about it. I mean, yeah. th- this has major Convergence vibes, even down to, like, the... Uh, was it, what was that guy's name? Was it Jeff Smith? No, that's 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 Bone. Um, no, it was uh, Jeff, Jeff King. Uh, Jeff King. Jeff King. It was Jeff another King, King because for the longest time I thought him and Tom King were the same person. Yeah, how Jeff yeah. King was this guy who had never written a comic really before, and he was suddenly doing Convergence, and then he did that great Telos series that we all know and love so much, <laughs> um, never to be heard from again. And so you know the, the Andy Schmidt thing is a bit like Jeff King, but like we said, he has he has serious, a higher pedigree. Yes, he has serious comics bona fides and and i think i think when we've seen things like you know 52 almost collapsed um walk and tell us all about countdown and how well that went um <laughs> how great it uh, was yeah yeah so i think having an editor more entrenched than just editing but being a part of the plotting and all of that is probably a very good thing probably, probably. it does you know you mentioned countdown and that is the other thing that i Looking at this, I did get somewhat countdowny vibes, um, which is a very bad thing to say. Um, but in terms of you've got one guy, like unlike you know, 52, 52 is four just top of the top guys um writing it. In this case, you've got one like superstar, Bendis, and then you've got uh, excuse me, Dan Jurgens. Anyone? <laughs> I'm 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 sorry, Dan. <laughs> I, I love he's, you, but he's pointing that finger at you right now. He is pointing the finger at me. Um, but yeah, I 
it's a, it's unfair of me, but that was one of the first things I thought. It's even the same amount of people, but <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully the art can live up to the great standard that Countdown set for her comic art. <laughs> yeah, that's for well, sure. The art team here actually is the highlight, if you ask me. Yes, I, I agree wholeheartedly that I every single name on that list, I'm like absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who will be in charge of the Mary Marvel upskirts? Um, <laughs> hmm, that's, that's a good the, question. That's the Anne Moore, and it's Brett Booth. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're not gonna rip, you're not gonna rip him off Bloodshot. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's the news of the week. We'll be back in just a minute to go through our books. So stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back, and let's jump right into Batman Pennyworth R.I.P., Number one, written Let's. by James Tynion the Fourth and uh, Peter Tomasi, illustrated by Eddie Barrows and uh, Ebel Ferreira, and who else? Someone else was on this. There are a bunch uh, of Chris Burnham. Chris Burnham, and wasn't there one other? Maybe. <sighs> oh, uh, David LaFuente. Yes, thank you. And did you say Sumit Kumar? No, Sumit Kumar was on this too. I forgot. Yes. Okay. Yeah, he he was on that too. Um, it is a he. It is a he. You, you looked it up. I simply know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that sounds ominous. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and we forgot Marcia Takara and Diogenes Nevis. And, a lot of people. Uh, yeah, a lot of people on this. But uh, so essentially, this is a. Um, a comic version of uh, the Bat Family walks into a bar, and and their butler's dead. And their butler's dead. Yes. <laughs> um. So Walt, I, I want to start with you because y- you you made some uh, you made some noises <laughs> when we talked about this book uh, over over text and G chat. Tell me what you thought of this issue. All right. So. So. We know, and I, I don't mean we as in the three of us, like, we're so smart. No, we, like, you know, superhero comic book readers. We know that Alfred being dead, like, it's anywhere between two to five years. It's going to be walked back in some way. Uh, maybe maybe not. It's just going to be like, oh, he's back. Maybe there'll be some twist, like he's now, like, a young and sexy Alfred to tie in with the newest season of uh, Epic's Pennyworth. Um but you know we, mute. <laughs> we we know that we know that he, he has um, to mute because he's beating it to the thought of a sexy young Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know we we know that this is not a permanent thing, um, and then, you know it's the point of these issues to kind of 
make us forget that for a time. And that's in in a way, that's the whole point of superhero comics. You know, the big illusion of time passing and permanent change happening, but not really. And I think the biggest mistake that this issue makes that is otherwise pretty good is that it really it brings in another type of thing that we know is not permanent. And I am, of course, talking about Rick Grayson. Grayson. God, God bless Tomasi and uh, Tynion for having, you know, they had the like, no, we're going to we're not going to like dance around it. We're going to like actually we're going to full on acknowledge it. But the fact that Rick Grayson is so stupid, even by superhero comic standards, which are very stupid, um, like it formed like a bit of like a feedback loop for me where it's like, oh, this Rick stuff. It's so stupid. And then it just makes me think about the fact that, well, this Alfred stuff is so stupid, too, um, <laughs> where it otherwise was very good. I, well, maybe not very good. It was otherwise good. Um, but. It just, it really, for me, maybe I'm being too serious about a um, a, a comic about the dead Batman butler. Um, <laughs> so, but hang on one second here, guys. Vincey, how how caught up are you on Nightwing stuff? I mean, what did I say last week? I every month I you turn the to the last, last page, page, right? And yeah. I and I cackle when it still says I'm Rick Grayson. <laughs> Who the hell are you? Yeah, exactly. Um, because there's a um, there's an editor's note somewhere in here that says like this, annual too. Yeah. Yes. Right. Th- that's what I was confused about. And so I looked that up. That came out in uh, October of last year. Okay. And um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. It's 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 a book where like you get a lot of flashbacks to things before he's a Rick Grayson, and um, but I don't. It felt like that was trying to say he is no longer Rick Grayson. That this is, but he is. But he is. He yes. is. So, <laughs> that, yeah, that that threw me too. Yeah, it, he there there is there is some point, and I know this because it was on the last page of one of the <laughs> issues. <laughs> <laughs> there there's there's some issue where he's talking to his like new girlfriend or whatever and he says uh he he's like he's like learning Barbara more Gordon. he's like learning yeah exactly <laughs> he's learning more about himself or whatever and he's like whether i'm i'm dick or richard or rick it doesn't matter i'm gonna be me or something you know, one of those things you know like i just gotta be me sure sure thing. Um, so at some point along the way, it, it was implied, I think that he's, he's aware gradually. Yes. And gradually remember, he was aware in this issue too. He was aware in this <laughs> issue. And honestly, he's been aware almost from the very beginning because, yes. and, and that is really, well, this is why I'm so glad that you're on the show because like, <laughs> no, really, because like you, you immediately smell how stupid this is. Um, and are able to articulate it really well in a way that, like, I I try to be more optimistic or, or more pie in the sky. But, like, this whole Rick Grayson thing, uh, soiled and otherwise pretty good issue, like you said, of something that I've wanted to see for a while. And I think that we have talked about on the DC3 cast before that, like, 
ever since the new 52 started, the Robins just aren't in the same room with one another enough, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. And getting them all back together again into that, that like we talk about it all the time, that like pre flashpoint Morrison era status quo where, where all the Robins had a very active role in the bat family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were, they were commingling all the time. That's something we just haven't quite got. It, it's been teased and it never quite happens. And this was like a great opportunity to get them all together. And what, you've got one of them not even, not even really having their uh, faculties about them as far as who they are. And yet at the same time, because you can't do a Alfred Pennyworth remembrance issue without Dick Grayson, you have to wedge him in there and do this do this weird thing where like, what, what, I, would, what would Dick say? I cackled out loud when I got to that page where he's like, it was so forced. Yeah. <laughs> say, <laughs> say, I, I get I get the <laughs> feeling that I knew this butler pretty well. What yeah. would I have said about him? You know, but at the same time, like he keeps saying stuff like I heard at one point I was a <laughs> Robin at, you know, like. <laughs> the the line that drove me up a fucking wall with this was when he said like I just know if it was Dick here instead of Rick I'd have fixed all of this like fuck you <laughs> who are you to say that it's Rick right, right. <laughs> it's it, it it makes it sound like he very much knows exactly who Dick should be and yet for some reason can't be I mean that is it's that's... all a very elaborate prank. It is. It is. It's Brian. This is a reference that we make all the time on the show, but it's the landfill thing from. I was just going to say that (laughs) it is like, just why don't you just pretend that I'm landfill and and treat me like you would have him? You know, (laughs) you told me all of our inside jokes already, so you might as well just uh, talk normally. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. It's it's so bad and it sullies this issue that I really wanted to like. And I did, you know, I did for the most part like. Like the the Damien part was really good, I thought. Yes, that was yes. that was I think uh one of the best if not the best uh little short stories. I will say yeah. the Babs one was good too. Yes, that was my other one. I'm not sure which of the two I like better. Those were my two favorites by far, I would say. Yes. Absolutely. The others were fine. Um, I thought that the Babs one was the most like it felt like like everything else kind of felt like a what story would you tell about like an Alfred story with this character? Like it felt very like by the books for most people, including even Damien's. It's just that in Damien's case, I don't fucking care because it's Chris Burnham drawing Damien again and it just looked so good. Um, But the thing with Babs felt very like um, fairly original. Like it didn't just seem like a little flashback story that anyone would come up with. It's like, oh, mountain climbing, cool. I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe I just don't know a lot of Babs' character. Maybe this is a thing that they do all the fucking time, but I don't think so. No, no. So it, it felt it felt the most real to me out of all of them. Like a a true kind of this this sort of memory that you remember. Yes. Um, and, and it was also Alfred always seemed to be looking out for them in ways where they're not looking out for themselves. He would know the yes. anniversary of Babs's walking again. 
Like yes. he would, he would, he has a calendar where he writes that stuff down. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I thought the issue overall was, was nice. The Rick stuff really was annoying. And also I feel like they just need to give Jason something else to do than just be pissed off all the time. Because I feel like it just doesn't, it doesn't have the same weight anymore. I did like his glasses and hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good look. It was a good drip, yeah. <laughs> I do think I actually do think like the when Jason walked out, it was a little surprising because you, you almost got the sense that he had more empathy for Bruce than some of the others did. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Brian, in that, like, he, yeah, he was, like, the nonchalant Sundari, uh, you know, uh, sort of, like, badass, angry guy. But in, in the end, his argument was more... We got to stop beating up on Bruce about this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then and then Babs tears right into him, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also um, found it pretty thought... funny that, um, I don't know which one of them decided that Batwoman, Catwoman, The Signal, and uh, Cassandra didn't know Alfred well enough, so fuck him. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh, Steph Brown was never a Robin. I guess not everything counts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no Jean-Paul. Jean-Paul. No Jean-Paul Valley either. That is yeah. true. Well, he's he's currently in space. Uh, as a, oh, he is. Yes. <laughs> not a you gotta joke. get caught not, up. Walt. Not a joke. <laughs> Asriel's in space right that, now. He's a new that god. Sounds amazing, actually. <laughs> Just as he died Odyssey. on the way back to his home planet. No, he did not. He's he be, he became a new god on the way back to his home planet. That's, That's true, what a hundred yeah. Denny O'Neill issues does for you. <laughs> exactly. Everybody should be asking where's Asriel though. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, one hundred percent. Whenever he's not on the page. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I do feel like one of the, one of the downfalls of having Young Justice back under Bendis's pen is that we don't get a lot of Tim right now anywhere because he's sort of in Bendis's little corner and Bendis is doing more right. with other characters right now. Um, but I love, I love Tim Drake, but, but this issue did give me a clear idea of how both Alfred come back and how comes back and how Dick comes back instead of Rick, which is, I think it's going to be when Wally West starts remaking the timeline, his best friend, Dick Grayson is no longer there. He's going to fix Dick Grayson and he's going to bring back Alfred at the same time. That's soon. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think you're right about Dick. I think you're wrong about Alfred. Yeah. I'd agree there. We'll see. I think Alfred we'll see. is gonna. I think Alfred is gonna be pure flashback uh, for a while, and I yeah. think. I think. Uh, if we're right about the different generations being um, de facto imprints, that gives writers an opportunity to use Alfred and keep him in the public right. eye if DC yeah, wants I mean, for a little bit. For for epics related purposes, of course. Of course, um, cross promotion. Yeah. I mean, and even without even without those imprint, like you know, pseudo imprints of the different generations, when has anyone ever been stopped from telling a year one Batman story? Right, right. 
it'll be at least once per arc for the till the end of time or until the end of the status quo bruce is going to be crying in the batwing if only Um, alfred were here yeah exactly damn it i don't remember how to put this in reverse (laughs) or whatever he he Uh, forgot how to make cucumber sandwiches yeah he's not he's not gonna know how to tie a bow tie that's ah, sure. that's, that's what sure. I do. You heard so, it here first. Walt, the writer of Batman, as of issue one hundred. That's right. I can tie a bow tie. So can I. Oh well, I can't. It's an easy There's a thing. fun issue, but you know, it is what it is. I like these sorts of things when the, I feel these these kinds of issues need to be really good in order to to feel like okay this is like actually something meaningful and not just like something to get me to spend five bucks like like the best example i always think of is uh civil war the confession um that that was the uh bendis and malieve one um after um cap's death it's the one where it's basically there's like another story too i think i think it's like two stories but it's um it's uh, Tony kind of basically talking to Cap's dead body. And you know, that, that, that is like one of those things where it, even though so many years have passed, we know that Cap didn't really die. Um, he was sent like back in time, basically like Batman, right? I think Something so. Like that. Um, Something like that. Weird coincidence. Um, <laughs> we know all this, but it's still like, I would say like, if anyone was reading like the old Civil War stuff, that would be like included in my oh, and you know, once it's done and once you read the issue where Cap dies, you should read this too. Whereas, I mean, this it's just I can't imagine anyone really wanting to read this a few years years down the line. Yeah, I could see that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um should we uh no i guess we'll we'll go in the order we had talked about um let's talk about the flash what is it number 88 vincy yes i feel like i'm always two issues ahead i always want to say we're two issues further but this is is this the last one before 750 yes yes this is the last one in this in this current uh uh like numbering but this is uh, written by Josh Williamson illustrated by Howard Porter and while there is some stuff in the first bit of this issue that I guess is maybe worth talking about, the end of this issue is what you want to talk about, right, Vince? When you when you recommend that we read this? Uh, no. Oh well, then, <laughs> then, then go off, King. The stuff where paradox. Okay, so th- this is introducing new Flash villain paradox, right? Um, which has been teased as something of a incredibly important villain for the flash and the greater DCU going forward, which of course every villain is, uh, yeah. Punchline, the Joker's new girlfriend is, uh, (laughs) extremely important, I guess too. But you know, um, the part that really tripped my trigger was, I think it was page four when paradox or the human human form of paradox before he transforms goes up to his lab and it's basically loaded with all kinds of background detail that 
give this story greater significance in the DC, the, the likes of which you don't see, you know, we've had 88 issues of flash and there have been maybe five or six issues that have contained that much detail. And I'm thinking of like the button, um, crossover, you know, I'm talking about there's posters on his walls that show like Abin Sur's crashed rocket um, I believe one of them is even a poster of Abin Sur Green Lantern, which is one of the different Earths. Can't remember which one, but um, there's a smiley face button. There's a multiversal map. There's a, some lost civilization. I don't know if that's supposed to be Dinosaur Island or something. Um, Did you see the he's Dr. Talking, Manhattan uh, poster? The Dr. Ma- I haven't said that yet, but yep, the, the atomic symbol... Um, and as he's looking at all this stuff, he's talking about reality shifting around us because of the changes in time, which is basically the, that describes the metaverse as Jeff Johns described it in Doomsday Clock. So that's why I wanted to talk about this issue more than anything, because it really feels like this is going to be Williamson dovetailing into, we know he's a part of. Now we know. I didn't know this when we read the, the, this issue, but now we know he's going to be like an architect of the, whatever the generation, event, whatever you want to call it, going forward. This really feels like it's dovetailing into that in some way. See, I thought you wanted to talk about it for the five G implications of the, uh, sort of back half of the book. Well, what are the 5G implications? I got the impression, and I know we've heard that, who is it, Captain Cold Jr. is going to be the new Flash? Captain Boomerang Jr. Captain Boomerang's son. Captain Boomerang's son. But I felt that this, um, what's the name of this other speedster we're seeing here on the last couple of pages? Uh, Godspeed? Yeah. August Hart? Yeah, I, I still think that he's going to be the 5G Flash. Oh. See, I don't think that, so. I feel like Williamson introduced him at the very beginning. He's been a part of this book since it started, and they're going to do more with him before Williamson's done with this book. And I think he's going to be... Maybe he'll just be a big part of the... Fi- I just I feel like... I feel like Williamson's the kind of writer who introduces a character in issue number one, because it's going to matter in issue number 100. Could be a two flashes type scenario. Yeah. Although DC seems to hate that right now. True. So much so that they're make they, they, they want so little to do with two flashes that they're willing to make one of them. Dr. Manhattan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is how badly we don't want to do this. Yeah. No, um, I always forget Godspeed's name. I was August wondering. Hart. I, I know. I know that part. I always forget that he's Godspeed. Oh, who can who can forget a name like August Hart? You railed on that name so hard. Oh, it's a first... fucking terrible name. It is. <laughs> John Goodman essentially is what the name is. That's a very good name. Yeah, I know it is. The best name, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, also, doesn't this um, doesn't Paradox look like? The new 52 Doomsday? Yes. 
Like, he looks like every other lumpy. He looks like damage. <laughs> he looks like damage. Well, he he looks like new damage, yes. But specifically, there's a page. Um, it's the page when Paradox like uh, Kool Aid mans into his family's yeah. house. <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> yeah, uh, but he looks just like um, New Fifty Two Doomsday. Even had that like ragged cape he was wearing. Yeah, it looks a lot like that. That's the same. Uh, that's the same cloak that uh, Pandora is wearing in the New Fifty Two. <laughs> <laughs> New Fifty Two connection here. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's. In- I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think Godspeed is that. But if you read it that way, then I can see why you would think that that's. It just seems to me like Captain Boomerang Junior is so random that all the other five G ones we've we've heard about have been characters that have been a part of the books for a while. And he seems like a really random character to be the new flash. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but then August Hart seems like too old to me. He doesn't scream fifth generation of anything, you know, you don't think he's approximately Luke Fox's age. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I guess that's a good point, but. We'll see. We'll see. Gen- gentleman's wager on this. Sure, sure. If if I win, you send me back my Twin Peaks T-shirt. Just um, sitting in <laughs> in my backpack. Waiting. It's not. No, I swear to you, it is. And I forget every day. <laughs> I get home and I'm like, oh fuck, I forgot to mail it to Vince today. It is in an envelope in my backpack. I have to bring it for postage. Honestly, it's it's more fun to have that as fodder. I know it for, is. I know it yeah. is. <laughs> That's exactly why Brian wants to get rid of it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Walt, what are your thoughts on this issue? Um, this is the first issue of Williamson's Flash I've read since the Rebirth special. Um, but it it seemed kind of interesting. I, I I'm a mark for Howard Porter art. It looked great. Um, I think, um, Howard Porter is such a, it is Howard Porter, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> there, there, it just felt like an ominous silence. Like I just made a fool of myself. Oh, no, no. Um, no, I, I think he has like a really great kinetic style that works so well. Um, so, and, and, you know, with this being like the kind of origin story of this character, it didn't matter that I hadn't really read anything. Um, uh, but at the same time, I don't think I liked it enough to really continue with it. Um, and since I'm not a full-time member of this show, I did not have to. <laughs> uh, I had said to Walt uh, the other day, Vince, that I think this is one of those books that reads considerably better in when you're reading three or four issues in a chunk. Would you agree with that? Um, yeah, it, it probably reads pretty well in... However, they collected in trade, which is to say that it's fairly decompressed. Yes. Um, anything else to say? Nope. All right. Well, let's move over to the Green Lantern season two, number one, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Liam Sharp. Um, my favorite thing to do whenever I read a new Grant Morrison comic is to identify the most Grant Morrison bit of dialogue in it. <laughs> and I think I've, I, I want to start there. So Hal is talking to the the one female guardian that's still alive. Uh, 
we don't have a name for her, do we? The one, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. It's uh, uh it starts with an S. Yeah, there is a name. I forget. Keep, keep talking. Well, I'll remember, find it. It doesn't matter. Regardless, Hal is right, talking right. to her, and he says, "Ancient wise immortals don't exactly grow on trees." And she yep. says, "True, they do not. They grow in the body orchards of Mother Juna on the planet Maltus." <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is that the most. Great if you were if you were going to mention that line, I was going to. Okay, yeah, that is the most Grant Morrison bit of so dialogue good. in this issue. <laughs> Uh, Guardian Sal, S A A L. Okay. Okay. Um, can I can I uh, propose an alternate quote? <laughs> sure. This one is is it's less Morrisonian than the one that you guys are talking about, but to me it was like slyly poignant and and heartfelt. Which is this outgrowth is intelligent salt. My partner is intelligent water. Together, maybe we become an ocean of open-minded collaboration. That was going to be the second one I was going to do. So, there we go. I read that, and I was like, aww. Because <laughs> they're, they're kind of treating this guy, this salt man, like a dick, you know? Like, yeah. They're, they're not being very nice to him. And he here he says this, like, legitimately smart and sweet thing. Very so, good. I'm glad that you brought him up, because one of the things I wanted to say about this issue is... Um, I think you guys have mentioned on previous episodes how, you know, the, the Green Lantern, Black Stars, it's all, kind of often its own thing. And it's probably it's not really being influenced much by anything else going on in the DCU. And when all is said and done, it's probably not going to have much of a lasting effect on anything else. You know, this is going to be one of those cases where Morrison puts the toys back rather than creates a new status quo or whatever. Um or if he doesn't put the toys back, he's going to leave something in a weird place and then DC's just going to ignore it. <laughs> um, one or the other. But I think one thing that's going to last from this one is Reich, I believe it was the, the salt guy. He's going to be like the guy, one of those guys that whenever there's like a big Green Lantern splash page or like just like a guest appearance in a Green Lantern core issue and everyone's like, oh, it's that guy from Morrison's. Um, I think he's going to be like the one thing that comes up every now and then from this run. Yeah. Um, he he's, has, the five, he's the 5G Green Lantern, actually. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I, I, he's just kind of like, um, he's the. <sighs> Shit, I can't believe I'm forgetting. Mogo? Planet? Mogo? Mogo. Mogo. Okay. Yeah. Mogo. Yes, okay. Um, I was thinking my brain was stuck on Oa for a second, but that's the planet. Um, it's going to be one of those things that I feel like writers are going to be like coming back to this guy for like a minor character who shows up every be, now and then. It'll be Chip. The, uh, yeah. the, the oh god, Chip. <laughs> the, the only caveat is if like in an issue or two, Grant Morrison has him die just an agonizing and grisly death. <laughs> yes, that that is the yes, <laughs> which is very much a possibility. <laughs> No, that's a really good point. I can totally see that too. Like you'll see him amongst the, or amongst bizzed. the crowds. What, what was that? Or bizzed. Yeah, bizzed. yeah, bizzed. There you go. I'm waiting for Gnort to come back. Um, yes, but that's probably just me. Although anything I'm... with an apostrophe in it is good. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, although I will say that I um, when when I interviewed Morrison and Sharp about the first volume. They said they created very few Green Lanterns for it. That almost everybody 
was a minor character from somebody else's run. Um, Interesting. But I'm pretty sure that this guy is, is brand new. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. Because he's introduced, and most of the other characters that, like, appear in that sense aren't, like, you know, being introduced as a new character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So, Walt, what did you think of this issue? I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. Um, I I kind of felt like with the... I, I was losing the plot of the first season. Um, I liked the Black Stars mini, um, but, like, I really liked the first few issues of season one. Um, but I just kind of, like, as it went on, I, I was like, I, I, I know I'm just getting this because it's Morrison. I'm kind of forgetting everything that's happening. and But this, I felt like, was a real great return to... F- and, yeah, I, I just love this issue. Vince? Yeah, I it it blew me away, actually, how much Liam Sharp clearly put into this. Oh, yeah. There's, like, four or five pages, a couple double-page spreads, a couple single-pagers that are so impossibly detailed. There's, there's single panels. Okay, there's a panel where... So Hal gets, like... Uh, uh, rewarded by the guardians with like a, a lantern battery upgrade. And then in the next page, he he's waking up. It's like later that night and he's being woken up then uh, by the guardians who are leaving to, to go do some ultra war multi-crisis mission. Right. And there's one panel on that page where, <laughs> where Hal's waking up that is way a hundred times more detailed than it would have to be. It's like a shot out into space and you see all sorts <laughs> yeah. of like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was blown away. Like I cannot believe the work that he's putting into this. And he inks his own stuff, right? Yes. And I believe so. Yeah. There's not an inker <laughs> listed. I don't think. And, um, and just gorgeous stuff. It truly feels like a special, like special event level type work. And it's happening in this book that only feels like an event if you're a Morrison fan, you know? Right, right. It's it's an event in that it's a Grant Morrison book and every Morrison comic is an, is an event, right? But yeah. And I to just, think that until Rucka came calling for Rebirth, he couldn't get work at the big two in a decade. Crazy, crazy. This unbelievable. Is, this is freaking gorgeous. It's... It's unbelievable. Um, and I love the structure of the story. I love the, the, the first few pages flow so well, well, where Hal comes back from his Black Star stuff and he's getting, mm-hmm. he's getting honored by the, the Guardians. And they, they, do, they say something like, and now it is time to speak the oath altogether. <laughs> and, and, of course, you get the, the requisite shot of all of them lifting their rings into the air and saying the oath and, you know, the ring charges blast in the air and it's yeah. just, you know, it, it, it just rocks. You know, it's it's just like it, the type of thing that makes you feel like a kid again in some way. And uh, and then just all the stuff with the with with Reich, the salt man was like weirdly touching in some ways. But at the same time, all cops are bad. So, you know, it's like, <laughs> uh, but but just some of the ways that he like solved problems um with his crystallizer weapon, which was mined both for like uh, plot advancement and comedy. Um, yeah. 
when he wants to show everybody the one setting on his crystallizer and nobody's interested. <laughs> just fantastic stuff. God, I love this issue so much. Every page of it's so good. It was I, great. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Like, yeah. must-read issue of the week type stuff. Yeah, this is phenomenal. This is, see, it, unlike Walt, I was not a very big fan of the Black Stars miniseries. I wasn't a big fan. You said you enjoyed it a lot. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, maybe I said a lot. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I, I didn't enjoy it as much as like the first few issues of Sure. Season sure. 1. Yeah. 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 Um and uh as as I was reading this issue, I just kept being like this is what I've been missing. This is Papa's medicine. You know, this is this is good stuff. Um, I also I want to say that you know one of the reasons that I'm so excited about this second series is that the last thing I wanted this book to do was to put Hal back on Earth, but this issue convinced me that will be very interesting. Yeah. And I'm excited to see where Morrison takes the story because to me the whole thrust of this arc so far, or this series rather, has been making Hal a space cop. Yeah. And really doubling down on the space cop thing. So to have him not be a space cop anymore is is really interesting. And fun. Yeah. And I like how they set it up again with kind of a you've got Jess and John talking to him about coming back to earth or whatever. And he's like, Oh no, that's earth is too boring. I got way too much going on up here. And then in the next 20 pages, like, yeah. Oh, he's back. <laughs> yep. Riding around with a Leonard Skinner fan. <laughs> um, one thing I thought was interesting, and this is, this is probably nothing. I like to come up with these little like things that never amount to anything because, um, DC doesn't allow them to or whatever, but, they at one point the the stupid the new stupid sexy guardians uh-huh. mm-hmm. that are created at the end uh, talk about a murder of a Green Lantern that happened on I think I think it was meant to have happened on Cranaltine right which is that was the Legion the the capital the acronym Legion. Uh, headquarters, I oh. believe. I believe that was New Ran, um, which this is totally not what's going to happen. But imagine Morrison write a acronym Legion title, like in five G or something. Mm. I just thought that I, I want that to happen, so <laughs> I'm going to will it into existence like a Green Lantern would. There we go. <laughs> You know, I thought this was excellent. I think Liam Sharp is just the best. Yeah. And um, I wish that there was still going to be a uh, twelve. There's still going to be twelve issues of this, but there's only going to be eight issues because everything has to end in October because of five G. We don't know that for sure, but we do know it's down to eight issues now. So. I think we pretty much know it for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, any other notes for this? I don't think so. Vince? No, no, that's 
Just an excellent, excellent issue. Okay. Well, let's jump into uh, an issue that I'm interested to hear if you guys think was excellent, and that is Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number one. Don't call it a movie tie-in. Uh, <laughs> written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti, illustrated by Amanda Connor. Um, what did uh, what did you guys think of this, Vince? I'll start with you because uh, I feel like Walt and I talked a lot last time. Okay. Well. Um... So somewhere in me lies a, a Harley Quinn fan on some level. We've we've talked about it before, how I, I have some affinity for the original Connor and Palmiati run. It kind of it, it does it does deserve a lot of credit for turning Harley Quinn into the kind of phenomenon that she is right now, I think. Uh I mean, her her persona in movies or, or her cartoon or whatever is basically all born out of what they did with her, right? Right. Um, and I think f- for a while I, I enjoyed it, and then it became too much, as I think most things are. You know, I think I think anything that goes for fifty or hundred issues or whatever is can get to can wear on you or or just run its course or whatever. Um, but. I love Amanda Connor's art. And so that was the big draw for me to, to return to, to her drawing the character and these characters. Um, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of that. Uh, as far as the plotting and the writing is concerned to, to jump, I, I thought, okay, we haven't had them in a while, uh, writing these characters. I, I wonder how it's going to land for me. It was immediately too much. <laughs> it was a lot, you know, um, there's a certain type of reader who's absolutely going to eat this up again. And, and that's great. That's, I'm glad somebody in the audience loves this kind of thing, um, and could, could read it forever. You know, right. I think, you know, if you're the type of person that, that laughs at the word beaver being used like four or five times in this comic, um, that's great. This is for you. I'm not that person. Uh, and your, humor, so th- your sense of humor is much more sophisticated. <laughs> Pee-pee poo-poo. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, it's just it's just worn on me after all this time. And, and I don't I don't know if it can ever get that mojo back. And, and you know, Harley Quinn in general to make a Walt, well, as long as you're on the show, I'll make a, a your Kickstarter reference here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So on your Kickstarter sucks. They often talk about these card games that get kickstarted, and they're usually Donald Trump related. <laughs> like every month, some genius thinks he's going to make a uh, Cards Against Humanity style game involving Donald Trump, and it's called like Cards Against Kofi or whatever. <laughs> To me, a new any new Harley Quinn or Joker comic is the Donald Trump card game to me. Basically, <laughs> it's like okay, yes. I, I, I've seen enough of this for now, <laughs> and yeah. probably forever. Yeah, th- um, this, this kind of sucked. Um. I mean, I don't know if it's see. I don't even want to say it sucked. You know, like that, I, that's fair. yeah. I don't know if it'd go that far. I don't think it sucked. It's just more of the same. 
exactly what you would expect. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. Like the craft here is technically sound. Connor's art looks great. I love oh, her. Yeah. Yeah. I love her work. The scripting, it's exact. I mean, it's a bunch of dirty puns, you know? Um, yeah. It is what it is. You know, it doesn't suck in the way like worst DC comics suck. No, it's no. Just, it's just not. It's just not what I like anymore, <laughs> you know? Well, so, Walt, you've seen Birds of Prey, correct? That is correct. Uh, so have I. And I think that Birds of Prey was a really fun movie. And I think that undoubtedly you couldn't do Birds of Prey without the Connor Palmiotti run. But this feels like a worse version of what the film was. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree i think it's a sort of like um double diluting effect in that regard that the the film was very much inspired by what they did and now they're trying to be like i mean they're not really trying to be like the film i guess that that's not quite fair um but no but it's there is certainly there is certainly connective tissue between the two yes um I mean, I, I I mostly agree with Vince. I think this was fine. The thing that I, that got to me, and it's like I think as like a comic, it's perfectly acceptable. Um, it's entertaining enough. It's maybe like as Vince said, maybe a little bit much. Um, I know that I know that the like comparison of like Harley being um, being. DC's Deadpool now is very tired. It's, it's you know, a thing that said a lot. I think a more specific comparison is that I, from the very, very, very little that I've encountered, um, the Connor Palmiotti Harley Quinn stuff is kind of like uh, the Daniel Way Deadpool stuff that was going on for a going on for a long time. Um, it has more. It has more like visual um, pizzazz going for it than. I guess uh, it was Medina who was a lot on a lot. Remember correctly, mm-hmm. Medina's fine. Secret Invasion era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it stuck around for a long time, um, and was doing a lot of. So I feel like it's kind of similar in that regard. And if you had, I, I know in like, in the DC Universe app or whatever, um, I, I forget if Comicsology is like this too. If you would like come over to my house and you had like an iPad and you're like, hey, you know, read this. I read it and you're like, oh, it's the it's the new arc in the Connor Palmiotti Harley Quinn stuff. I read it, I'd be like, oh, that seems, you know, fine. I didn't love it, but it was okay. Um, I can see why some people like and so on. That would be my experience. And I mean, that was basically my experience with this, you know, reading the review copy and everything. If I went and I saw Birds of Prey this past weekend um, and I was like, oh, I should get some Harley Quinn comics. And, you know, I hear, oh, there's a new series coming out this week. I paid six fucking dollars for this. <laughs> that That's a completely different scenario. I would be pretty let down with this. Um, I still haven't seen a black label book in the wild. Um, I, you know, I just don't have a local comic shop anymore. Um, so I don't know, is it? about like the better paper quality or whatever. I buy all my comics digitally, you know, five ninety nine for this one. It's not even that much longer than a normal issue. That would fucking suck. Yes. You know? 
Yeah, I, I think that for Black Label, there is a certain um, premium put on the paper stock and all of that. But I think it's generally overstated because there hasn't been a Black Label book yet, unless I'm forgetting one, that I have like gone gaga over. You know, right? I think if it was uh, a... Wonder Woman, that the Wonder Woman, oh, Daniel yes, Warren Johnson the, it, one. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry, that's the one. See, I knew I shouldn't have spoken without <laughs> doing some research. That is phenomenal, and that looks great in that format. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly a uh, it's certainly a poor decision to release these for the same price digitally and in print when. And for some books that makes sense. For this book, it doesn't make sense. Right. And as well, just like making this like a black label book. Um, I mean, like it's partially being done, you know, so we can see more breasts and we can see decapitations. So it's like, oh, that was interesting. Um, but it also like feels now. like, what was that? Harley can say fuck now. Yeah. She, oh, yeah. And the swearing, of course. Um it also just seems like very strange to put this thing that is directly a continuation of that stuff from before. Like when I think of like, if they were trying to make black label, this kind of like prestige type thing, having this, that's kind of like a mini series continuation of a previous run doesn't seem to fit what I would expect for, or what they are trying to tell us black label is for. Mm hmm. It's it's just as you said, Harley can say fuck now. I, I I would suspect that they're doing it this way just because there's an insane fan base for the Palmiati Connor. It's it's baked in, right? Right. And they they know that they could charge whatever they wanted for the issue, and the exact same, I don't know, forty thousand, fifty thousand people are gonna buy it for sure. Or whatever it is, you know. I guess my final word on it is if in a later issue we see Joker's dick, <laughs> then I've reconsidered and this is wonderful. I will spend every I will spend full price on each issue. Hmm. So Margot Robbie ever hit you with that hammer, Walt? Ah, uh, not yet. <laughs> Still holding out hope. Hey, she was like two feet in front of me at the press screening I went to last week. So two feet, you say? Not even that's that's not an exaggeration. She was two feet in front of me. So much so that you and McGregor borrowed my Harley Quinn pigtails and put them on. His oh, head. you you were the one who had those that because I saw the picture of him wearing those. Th th so. Those were legitimately mine. I have in my possession the ones he wore. Yes. So neat. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. But so the did, reason did I said. What did you did you say? Uh, I love you, uh, Mr. McGregor. <laughs> I said I love but you, Obi Wan. <laughs> did he say why are you speaking to me? Yeah, of course. No, he was he was nice-ish. I guess I don't know. They didn't really talk to each other. He just, they they were all they were all like coming right in front of us to stand and take a picture. And he was walking towards me. He looked at the pigtails and I said, "Do you want to borrow mine?" And he said, uh, "Oh, sure." And then put them on and then said, "Thank you" and gave them back to me. And I said, "Thank you." My daughter would want these. So, <laughs> um, no, the reason I said that this sucks was I just feel like this is such a missed opportunity because I think that one of the one of the things people don't talk about 
with the Connor Palmiati stuff, and maybe because by the end it wasn't there, was I always felt that they did a good job of balancing the horny Quinn, as you sometimes hear her referred to, as, with also some stuff that had some real heart to it, and stuff mm-hmm. that wasn't just a, a setup for a punchline. And uh, I feel like in this issue, there's almost nothing that wasn't a setup or a punchline. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, especially with the like the movie, is 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 not the most heartfelt thing in the world. But the movie does have a little bit of heart to it, too. And so, like Walt said, if someone's coming to this having just seen the movie, I think that this is even more of an asshole, Harley, than they're used to. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Amanda Connor can draw... Harley Quinn all she wants, and I'll read it, because we just don't get enough Amanda Connor art out there. Oh, no. No, not at all. Um, that brings us to our final book of the uh, week, which is the Superman Heroes one-shot. So this will be followed up next week, Walt, in case you don't know, by Superman Villains. I do know. Um, so it is a... Um, I really... You know, we talked about the... the um, the Alfred Pennyworth R.I.P. book before. And while these are similar in in structure, this has become a thing that Bendis' super books have done a couple of times now. They did it in the uh, Leviathan Rising one shot from last year, where you mm-hmm. sort of see the the full scope of the of the of a, like the super line come together in these books. And I really like this. I think that these are super fun. And I think that these stories are just connected enough to make them fun. It's it's not... You're not straining to see where everything is coming together. Like, everything's connected, but it's not overbearingly so. Would you guys agree yeah. with that? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I almost felt like... One thing that I thought, as you said, it's an interesting coincidence to this coming out at the same time as the Alfred R.I.P. thing. I almost felt like the scene with Bruce felt more. It felt like a more important thing with the Alfred thing than anything in the Pennyworth R.I.P. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought this whole issue is quite good um I'm, I'm getting back into the superman stuff right now um with the whole secret identity truth i guess is the name of the arc yeah um and yeah i thought that's very good um well as you said very well connected and a big part of the reason this works so well, we should say this is written by Brian Bendis, Matt Fraction, and Greg Rucka, illustrated by Kevin McGuire, Mike Perkins, Steve Lieber, Mike Norton, and Scott Godlewski. Part of the reason this is so good is because of those artist names we just mentioned. Like, it, it's hard yes. to look at Kevin McGuire and Steve Lieber and Mike Norton art and not be really jazzed about it. Yeah. Vincey, what'd you think of this? Yeah, I liked it. I think it was slightly less successful than the first time they did this thing, and I think Agreed. there's a couple reasons. There's a couple reasons why. Um, one, those those were the first; those were our first chances to see what the Rucka Lois book and the uh, 
Fraction and Lieber uh, Jimmy book were going to look like. Mm-hmm. And we were we were really excited about them uh, back then, and just getting a taste of that was really good. Um, here it's just, you know, more of the good stuff we've already seen. It's admittedly good, but it's not fresh anymore to us, to us, mm-hmm. you know? So, and then the other thing is that, that, that previous issue also included the Supergirl, uh, relaunch with Kevin McGuire art, I believe. Yes. And Supergirl's completely absent from this because of the year of the villain stuff. And that's just kind of, that's a, a little bit of a shame because that was supposed to be a part of this relaunch and it, she kind of got sidelined and I feel like um, to tip my hand about how I feel about Supergirl right now, like I think Jody Hauser and Rachel Stott on that book both would deserve a showcase in a book like this. And instead they're getting caught up in tie in stuff and it looks like their run is going to end almost entirely enveloped in yeah. event tie in, uh, which is a real shame. Because um, I think, you know, they're both extremely talented and uh, would have been served well with uh, some sort of showcase. But um, but but, you know, the book that we got in front of us is still very good. Um, these interludes, I thought it was interesting. That book was very much about setting up many plot threads that were going to go forward. This, it feels like a lot of the sort of... Uh, Lois and Jimmy tie-in scenes are more just for seasoning. They're not necessarily for setting up. Right. They're reacting. Uh, yeah. They're reacting. You know, the, the Jimmy stuff is very much tied to his reaction to Clark's reveal rather than setting up something for the future. That, that, that's great. It was a great scene. Same with the Lois, Lois and, uh, and, and Clark looking at all these piles and piles of mail that they're getting, you know, it's a very yeah. fun idea. It's, kind of irreverent and 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 they're not going to do much with it but that's that's very good and then you do get some possible teases for the future like uh booster and clark interacting a little bit booster kind of teasing you know what comes next yeah and uh and the epilogue which i which is tied into the miss leone purchasing the daily planet invisible mafia stuff and i would bet any money that this this issue ends with Superman kind of looking at the reader and saying Lex Luthor. I'd bet any money that next week's villains issue starts with Lex Luthor saying Superman, Superman. <laughs> yeah. or, Clark Kent. or Clark Kent maybe. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, one of the things I love. I mean, Steve Lieber is so good. Oh, Steve, one of my favorites. Steve Lieber's Superman in this is basically from the Max Fleischer cartoons. Yes. Uh, which is which is a good look, and I'm I'm all about that, and I loved the simplicity of Jimmy Olsen knew because they both called him Jim. <laughs> like that's that's such a great small little bit of writing there from Matt Fraction, uh, really yeah. really quite good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. You know, I, I think Vince, I think you're right. I think the first one was a little bit better. Uh, I also think that the. Um, it's crazy how much the Mike Perkins art stands out here. Uh, just as not being, you know, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, mm-hmm. in, both in terms of quality and in terms of style. Um, and I loved the big... I, anytime you can have Kevin Maguire draw the entire Justice League 
and basically reference that that cover for the millionth time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm still fine <laughs> just with as it, good though. as the first. Yes, time. absolutely. You can keep doing it for all I care. Um, and, and I did like the the sort of talking head section there, where everybody is talking about him with the with the uh, with the reveal, and how Mister Terrific is like. It's a science experiment, and all. Uh, I I really enjoyed all of that. That was all very well so, done. So that that was probably one of the few scenes that I did not like, mainly because it just immediately made made me think of Bendis's old uh, oral history of the Avengers. Oh God! Stuff that he was doing, um, which was the fucking pits. Well, at um, least at least this was two pages and not yeah the nearly yeah oh God. Yeah. See what uh, this so reminds- you know it's it's me being unfair. Uh, <laughs> Um, it, what, it was yeah, but what if he starts doing? If he's yeah, that, to start doing that, I will. Be... That's the thing that makes me scared. Yeah, <laughs> just not this shit again. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Um, I, what I liked about it was the tone of it reminded me of uh, somebody from this book, but not on the scene. Was what Fraction was doing with um, with FF. Remember they mm. had the confessionals. Of like the kids and all that in the first issue of FF, yes, that's right. Those are very good. It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. I mean, obviously, this is nothing new in comics. I just thought it was a, uh, I thought it was a well done. Scene. I liked, I liked how he had the various characters react to this. Sure. Yeah. If, if you like uh, characters talking to the screen, <laughs> boy, do I have the uh, DC Comics Maxi series for you. <laughs> uh, I'll eat shit, Walt. <laughs> yeah. Um. One one other thing I want to note before I'm done. Uh, the beginning of this issue features a much better Jonathan Kent with a worldview that makes sense than the Zack Snyder Man of Steel one. <laughs> well, anything is better than the Zack Snyder Man of Steel one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I have hey to now, say, you're gonna get you're gonna get the legions coming after you. <laughs> I do have to say, I kind of wish he didn't swear. What did he say? Dang it! No, he doesn't. He says like shit or something. <laughs> oh no, he doesn't say shit. He does in, the, in Superman Heroes number one. He does not say shit. <laughs> Hang on. Come on, Brian. Am I the only one that understands how like language and comic ratings work? Around here, he says, "If anyone said I, that I they did, I was gonna lose my fucking mind on them." <laughs> but it's 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 censored out. Okay, oh, I'll lose, censored. lose lose my shit on them. I was gonna lose okay. my shit on them, is what he says. But it's censored Jesus. out. That is that is really anachronistic. Yeah, it, it just doesn't feel like yeah, I don't, to I don't me. like that too much either. Yeah, I feel like he should have said, "I'll lose my poop on them." And then Martha's like, "John, you know." <laughs> He called the ship poop. He called the ship poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh. We made it through almost an entire episode of the DC3 cast with Walt, and we were on our best behavior not making an Austin Powers reference or an Adam Sandler <laughs> movie <laughs> or a Simpsons or Arrested Development. Uh, there was a Simpsons reference earlier. Was there? <laughs> Ah, shit, I forgot what... Uh, yeah, Poochie, Poochie, we had a whole Poochie, Poochie, Poochie yeah, conversation. Yeah. We had a Poochie, yeah. And I think I did. I, I'm a monster from yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, you did that too. Damn. <laughs> but that was the first Adam Sandler one, so... Okay, there we go. Vince has uh, been big into uncut gems lately, so I'm surprised he has Yeah, baby. <laughs> and there's an Austin Powers one. So now we're yep. four for four. 
<laughs> All right, there we go. <laughs> uh, anything else to say about this issue? No, no. I think I think it's the counterpoint of you know to continue drawing comparisons with the Pennyworth one that this is it isn't like stellar, but it's going to be like oh when I'm when I'm reading Superman comics from this era about um, the whole revealing the identity, even if it's been like you know retconned long since, you know I'm going to read this issue. Yes. Yeah. I've been impressed, and I, we talked about this on the show one other time, but I've been impressed that the tactic that Bendis is playing with this is just like, people are going to be more cool with this than you think they're going to be. Yes. And I feel like that is something that I wouldn't have necessarily expected from, both from Bendis and from this reveal in general. Yeah. And I, I've been very much enjoying that take on it. Yeah, and and we're not talking about Superman itself this week, but I I think we're kind of seeing like the first thing of like oh here how it is is backfiring, but it's do it's being done in like a way that I wouldn't have thought, not the obvious way. It's good. I I really can't get over how much I've been enjoying Bendis on this book or on the on the Superman titles rather. Right. Uh, it it still seems crazy to me that this is the same Bendis who basically couldn't get arrested at Marvel the last couple of years he was there from like a critical standpoint. Everybody yeah. I know who was reading Bendis comics in, in his last couple of years at Marvel all felt like he was well past his prime, that he was washed up and all that. And then he comes over to DC and has been really very impressive so far. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's wild stuff. Well, Vince, uh, we, uh, we do our list first before we get to next week. So, um, on the good list, we have Gotham City Monsters, the last issue of that, Superman, the Terrifics, and Wonder Woman. On the okay list, we have Batman and the Outsiders, the Batman's Grave, Catwoman, and Hawkman. On the bad list, we have the last issue of Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy and Supergirl. On the Hill House list, Dollhouse Family, Same Universe list, House of Whispers. And last, but certainly not, list, not, not least of the lists, on the Neil Adams list, Batman, Rache Al Ghul. Uh, Vince, what comes out next week? Uh, we got Aquaman, we've got Batman, we've got Deceased Unkillables number one. Ooh, forgot about that. Yeah, I forgot. And I could have swore that was a one-shot, Now, and it's three issues, actually. I, Deceased will never die, but you know what? It was good, so hopefully this is good, too. Uh, we got the final issue of Flash Forward. Um We've got He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. We've got the last issue of Joker Killer Smile. We've got uh, Justice League. We've got Legion of Superheroes 4. If that hasn't been pushed, I feel like that's been pushed. It may Maybe not. Uh, it was pushed once before this. So I don't know if this has been pushed okay, a maybe. time. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we got Lola Woods, we got Lucifer, Metal Men 5, and, and Nightwing 69. Nice. We've got nice. nope, no, it's not. Uh, we've got we've got Plunge. I know Walt Walt is excited Ooh. for Plunge. Yeah. This is I I literally first heard about it when reading one of this week's issues. There was an ad for it, and it's like, holy shit, Stuart Eminem being a horror book. I somehow hadn't heard about this. I thought I thought I specifically reached out to you about this. I don't think so. Because you're the Eminem boy. Oh, yeah, I love him. And this yeah. is like one of the few things I don't think he's... 
I don't think he's done straight horror before. Could be wrong. No, th- this seems to me like this is him in his quote retirement saying, "I'd like to do a horror book." Yeah, and then just doing this and then you know, moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure he'll be fantastic at it, like he yes. is in everything he does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got Superman smashes the clan finale. That is fantastic. Walt, have you looked at that? Uh, at all? I, I haven't. It's on. It's yeah. It's definitely something I want to check out. So good. Uh, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, Teen Titans uh, finale of Wonder Twins, and we've got the second issue of Wonder Woman Dead Earth by Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, and can an otaku like me really be an idol? Wait, that's. That's something else. That's Den Publix. Sorry. <laughs> um, we were going to be doing our Crisis on Infinite Earth special next week, but Zach will not be with us next week either, and so we're going to push that back a few weeks because we can't do that without our Zachy boy. Um, you can find Walt and I on Twitter. I am at Brian and Zinep. Walt, where are you? I am at Goodbye to a Shoot. <laughs> that, your Twitter handle makes me laugh every time I see it. I'm so glad it's it's uh, the perfect amount. It's the it's the exact amount of characters. I was going to say I'm surprised that that, that you had enough characters for that. Um, it, I, I I spent some uh, some time brainstorming. <laughs> um, yeah, it's excellent. If you need to find Vince, of course you cannot find him on Twitter. Where you can find him is uh, you know, let's just say he bought a couple of copies of Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. One for uh, kissing and one for not kissing, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so, that's an honor of our boy, Zach, who's not here tonight. So, And uh, until then, thanks for listening, folks. Thank you, Walter. We love having you on the of show. Of course. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll be back next week. So take care, folks. Um, Martian Manhunter didn't pay his child support because he ate too many chacos. <laughs> <laughs>